Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. You're listening to Understanding the Law Radio with your host, attorney Peter Lamont. Hi, and thanks for joining me on this episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I am your host, Peter Lamont, and today we're going to be talking about contracts. We're going to jump right into that but before I do. If you would like to learn more about your legal rights, about uh, starting a business, being an entrepreneur, building your business, growing your business, we have a, a ton of resources over at utlradio.com. Obviously, it's all free. You can go check that out. Uh, there's an extensive video library. I think there's something like 220 videos that talk about um, you know business success as well as uh, answers to general legal questions so that you get a better sense of what your rights are, obligations, and, and how the law works. On this show, I try to make the law as easy as possible because it's, it's a challenging topic. Um, a lot of people would like to see the law being black and white, but it, it really is never black and white. I mean, talk about different shades of gray. That's what it is. Um, so, Without further ado, let's jump into today's topic, and I want to start with the elements of a contract. Everybody knows what a contract is. Um, you sign them all the time, whether it's with your cell phone carrier or if you're going to be leasing a car or buying a home. But what actually makes a contract legally binding? Now, if you go and you do internet searches, uh, you're going to find everything from four elements of a contract to six elements of a contract to 12 elements of a contract. And it really depends on how much you want to dive into these individual elements and the components of the elements. The way that I see it uh, and, and the way that a lot of law schools teach you contracts is that really there are only four elements to the contract, and that is offer, acceptance, and then you need to have a mutual understanding or desire to enter into that agreement, um, you know, and, and uh, consideration. So what does that mean? How, how does that work? What is, what is all that? Well, let's start with offer. Obviously, when somebody extends an offer to you, so for example, let's say I want to sell you my house. Um, and I say to you, hey, uh, Bob, are you interested in buying my house? I'd like to sell it to you for $100,000. That is an offer. So I'm making the offer to you to buy the house. Now, we have to be on the same playing field. Mentally, um, like for example, I couldn't try to make an offer to purchase my home to a 10-year-old. Because even though I'm making the offer, there's no understanding. There's no meeting of the minds. And that's a, a term that you'll see when you talk about the elements of contract, the meeting of the minds. So I've made my offer to you. And let's say, you know, you're not 12, you're an adult. And 
there's a meeting of the minds. You understand that I am going to be offering you my house for a hundred grand. Now you have to think about whether or not you want to move forward with that. So I give you this written agreement, purchase uh, or, or sales agreement. You look at it, you talk to your wife and you say, we're going to move forward with it. You read the terms, you see what's what, you have an opportunity to maybe take it to a lawyer or not, and you sign the agreement. Now, within that agreement, what I'm saying to you is, I will give you my house and you give me $100,000. So what do we have as far as elements so far? We've got an offer. I made you an offer to buy my house. There's consideration. Consideration is a very, very confusing legal term of art for something of value in exchange for something of value. So I'm going to give you my house and you're going to give me 100 grand. So there's the consideration. Uh, there's a mutual understanding or meeting of the minds. You understand what I'm offering you and you understand what your obligations are. Now, you let's say you want, want that deal. So you accept that contract. You accept that offer. Now we've got contract, right? An offer. We've got a mutual understanding, a meeting of the minds. There's consideration because you're going to give me money. I'm going to give you my house. Um, and you have agreed to it. Therefore, you know, we've got a full contract. We've got acceptance of that contract. That's the easiest way to understand the elements of a contract. Offer, mutual understanding or meeting of the minds, consideration, and acceptance. Those are really the four elements. Now, if you start looking into some of the... Um, more complex issues of contracts, you'll see things like capacity. Well, capacity is not really an element of a contract. Capacity simply means, is there a meeting of the minds? Could I go and make that offer to sell my house to a 12-year-old? No, because there's no meeting of the minds. I'm not able to make an offer to a 12-year-old. They don't fully understand the implications. That's why Contracts with, with young kids, with minors, are frowned upon and generally not enforceable, not because there's something wrong with it. It's simply because all of the elements of a contract are not met. And in particular, in an instance where you're dealing with a minor, the thing that's missing is the, the, the mutual understanding, the meeting of the minds, because a, 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 you know, a kid or a minor, they don't have the capacity to understand the implications of a contract like that. So, you know, you'll see all these things, but I want you to remember the four elements that we talked about today because that is really the bones of a contract. Offer, mutual understanding or meeting of the minds, consideration, and acceptance. If you have those four things, then you've got a contract. Now, some of the other things that you'll see when you search online, and I'm sure that, that some of you guys out there have, um, you'll see things like, well, it's got to be in writing, or it doesn't have to be in writing. And there's a lot of confusion out there concerning when a contract has to be in writing. Is it enforceable if it's not in writing? As a matter of fact, we have a lot of litigation where there are pretty significant uh, verbal agreements that are now being challenged. And, you know, you've got to look at whether or not these agreements are enforceable at all. So I want to talk about the enforceability 
of verbal versus written contracts for a minute. Can you have a, a valid contract if it's not in writing? Generally, the answer to that question is yes. However, there are times when you must have it in writing. And there's something in just about every state. Uh, it's called the statute of frauds. And it doesn't necessarily deal with fraud in the way that we all think about fraud. What it really says is if you've got a contract that's over $500, and again, it might vary from state to state, uh, but the majority of the states have this $500 threshold. If it's over $500, it has to be in writing. Otherwise, it's not valid. Uh, could you choose to have an agreement? for something over $500 that's not in writing and both of you agree to it and abide by the terms? Sure. Um, but we're talking about when a verbal agreement is going to be challenged. So let's say, for example, you go to a car dealer and you want to buy, um, I don't know, uh, I, give me a car. I can't even think of one. Uh, how about a, a Hummer, right? A used Hummer. You want to buy a used Hummer. Um, you think they're cool. You want to like, trick it out and, um, you know, make it look really hot. So you go the, to the dealer and you say, I want, uh, I want to buy this Hummer. He says to you, okay, um, $10,000. You say, done. You say to him, I'm going to pay you cash. He says, okay, sounds good. Handshake, right? I mean, because, you know, you go back in time, back to the, the 20s, 30s, 40s, and I'm sure you've, you've heard your grandparents um, or, or elders say to you, oh, I remember the time when everything was good on a handshake, right? It was a gentleman's agreement. You make, make the old handshake and you're solid. My word's gold, you know, blah, blah. So you go to that car dealer and the guy says to you 10000 You give him the 10000 You shake hands. He gives you the keys to the car. Is that a valid or enforceable contract? Well... You could both choose to abide by the terms of that contract because you've given him the money. He's given you the keys. What do we have? We've got offer. We've got a mutual understanding. We've got consideration. And we've got acceptance. Valid contract, it seems like, right? Well, here's those, those you know, odd situations where we're dealing with that statute of frauds. You gave the guy 10000 for the car. The statute of fraud says that you must have a written contract if the sale is over $500. Now, let's say you take that Hummer off the lot and you're super hyped. You know, you bring it home and you show your wife and she freaks out because that $10,000 was going to go towards home repairs or a vacation or whatever. And she says to you, take that back. You're not keeping that, that truck. There's no way. Nobody rides these things anymore. Get rid of it. Well, what do you do? I mean, you're stuck, aren't you? You bought the car. You paid 10000 You both understood what was going on. And now your wife's telling you to get rid of it. What are you, you going to do? Well, theoretically, you could actually argue that you don't have a valid contract because it violated the statute of frauds in that it's not a written agreement. So in theory, and again, in theory, because nothing in the law is black and white, but in theory... You could take that Hummer back to the dealer and say, hey, listen, uh, we don't have a valid contract. We don't have an enforceable contract, I should say, because you didn't give me anything in writing. And this violates the state's statute of frauds. And therefore, I'm going to give you my car back and I want my 10 grand back. 
Now, of course, it's not that easy because what would happen in, in real life is that the dealer would say, yeah, good try, buddy. You gave me the money. You took the car. You drove it off the lot. Now it's yours. But if you challenge that in a court, um, there's a high percentage that you would be able to invalidate that contract. All right. So that whole discussion about this Hummer is to show you that you could have a valid contract. You could tick off all four of those elements, but sometimes a contract's only enforceable if it's in writing. Now, let's talk about other times when it's not something that would violate the statute of frauds. Uh, let's say that you have a roommate and you know, you're renting an apartment together and the rent is, I don't know, $800 and, and you guys decide that you are going to split that rent 50-50. So every month, you know, you're getting 400 from him, you're giving 400, you give it to the landlord, you're good. All of a sudden, um, your roommate gets a girlfriend and the girlfriend's saying, hey, spend that money on me, don't give it to your roommate, he's making enough money at his job, let him cover it, besides you're not there all that much anyway, um, don't worry about it. And your roommate, wanting to make his, his girlfriend happy, says okay, and he starts stiffing you. And so a month goes by, two months, three months, and there's no money coming in. Now, he owes you, you know, a decent amount of money, and you've been covering his half of the rent for the last three months. So you want to sue him, and you sue him under the theory of a verbal or oral contract. Uh, you agreed to pay 50% of the rent. Let's say that you signed the lease, just to clarify. You signed the lease... It wasn't a two-person lease, right? You signed it with the landlord, and um, he is going to just, you know, have this oral agreement with you that, um, yeah, I'll pay you four hundred and I'll live here too. But you know, the landlord doesn't know about it, so it's not as though the landlord can enforce that lease against your roommate. He can only enforce it against you. You sue your roommate and you say, "Hey, you were supposed to pay me four hundred dollars a month." Your roommate says, "No way, man." Um, we didn't agree to that. That's that's a, a a verbal agreement, and it's not enforceable. Well, it's difficult to prove because a verbal agreement really is um, something that you're going to need to establish proofs in order to show. So, for example, you need to be able to produce either testimony or evidence. Um, but the the general idea of the enforceability of the agreement is right there. So let's look at the elements. Was there an offer? Yes, there was an offer. I offered my roommate to split the rent with me and uh, you pay me $400 a month and you can live here. Was there an understanding, a meeting of the minds? Yeah, he wants to live in the apartment. He says, I'm going to pay you $400 a month. We're good. Was there consideration? Yes, I'm giving you a place to live. You're giving me $400 a month. And did he accept it? Yes, he accepted it. How do I know? Because he moved in and because on the first month when rent was due, he paid me $400. Now, that's a valid contract. So now let's look at the enforceability of that contract if you've got to sue your roommate in court. And your roommate, of course, is lying and saying, hey, we had no agreement. This isn't enforceable. Yeah, we talked about it. How can you win that case? Well, in this instance, it's actually quite simple because you go into court and you say to the judge, judge, uh, there is no written contract. We had 
a verbal contract, and you go through the elements of that contract, the offer to live there, the mutual understanding, the consideration, right? He paid you to live in the uh, apartment with you and the acceptance. You say, Judge, on X day, we had this discussion. He agreed to pay $400. He moved in. He lived here for X amount of months, and every month up until the last three months, he paid me $400. That is enough evidence to show that you had a valid and enforceable verbal agreement, and in most cases, you're going to win. You're going to win that case against your, your, uh, your roommate. So that's an example of where a verbal agreement still can be valid and enforceable. So, you know, to wrap up this discussion about contracts and the elements of contracts and what you really should be looking at to determine whether or not a contract is valid and then enforceable, again, it's those four main elements. And I want to make sure that everybody understands those four elements. They are the offer. When I offer to uh, have an agreement with you, I offer to give you something. Um, there is the mutual understanding, this meeting of the minds that you are going to give me something in exchange for uh, whatever my offer is. And then that factors into this idea of consideration, which is something in value or something uh, of value in exchange for something of value. And then obviously the acceptance when you you sign the deal, you uh, verbally agree to the deal. So those four elements are what makes up a contract and what makes it enforceable. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. If you would like more information about the show, or if you'd like to take advantage of our business and legal self-help resources, including our extensive video library, then visit us online at utlradio.com. That's utlradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and of course on YouTube. Now, if you have questions about any of the topics you heard discussed on today's show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, please reach out to me directly at pl at pjlesq.com, or you can call me at 201-904-2211. Please also make sure to rate this podcast over on iTunes and share the information that you receive with your family, friends, and colleagues. Let them know about utlradio.com your business success and legal information station. I'll see you next time. Up to 70% off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.